Well, hello, Grace Point. Glad that you're here today. Uh, two weeks ago, we started this series in, in Romans, and we took last Sunday off for game day. I, needed to, I don't normally start a fall series on Labor Day weekend, but I needed to to fit it, um, everything in before our Christmas season. And so um, that video will torture you every single week from here until Christmas. Uh, we're, we're, it's called steak and potatoes because uh, scripturally it is steak and potatoes of theology. Theology means study of God. So we're going to look at his, his truth, his judgment, his gospel, his grace. And we understand more about God as we walk through the major themes of this incredible book. So if you have a copy of the Bible, go and turn to Romans chapter 2 today. There's Bibles in the back if you want to borrow one. If you don't have one, you could take that for you as a gift or maybe you have a Bible app. We'll be in chapter two today. If you're new to Bible study, Romans was written by a guy named Paul, uh, very theologically trained, but did not know Christ and became a, a follower of, of Jesus Christ in an incredible fashion. So Paul was a Jew who was also a Roman citizen, and he's writing uh, to Rome, a place he had not yet visited yet. He wanted to, he had longings to go to Rome. So this letter preceded his arrival. But when Paul finally did come to Rome, he was a prisoner. He was under house arrest, then he was under jail time, and eventually died a martyr's death in the city of Rome. Now, as you're, as you're reading through, and I'm studying through this book, it is apparent that Paul understood that those who would read or hear his letter were not all believers. And plus, the Holy Spirit knew that this, this letter would be used worldwide, even to this day. And there's no assumptions that everyone reading Romans is a follower of Jesus. It makes it very, very clear, which is great. We should never assume that any audience, especially here at church, every service, that is 100% believers or followers of Jesus. It is never that way, which I'm glad, because there are those here even today or watching online, whenever you're watching, you're not a follower of Jesus yet. Yet. And so we welcome all of that. And so when we just think that church services are just for church people, we will eventually die as a church and we'll be in trouble. So I'm glad that Paul does assume this and I don't assume this as well. The theme of Romans is the gospel, which means good news. The theme of the whole book is good news. But before he gets to sharing the good news, which I can't wait for next Sunday because it's good news, Paul has to address some hard truths. Chapter one, it was the ugly truth. It was the ugly truth that mankind, so many are pagans where they just live their lives apart from God and do whatever they want to do, and which leads to a, a pagan lie that many people believe is this, is that I can live however I want to live apart from God. And I, I don't have it for your notes, but it's, it's without consequences. Like, I, I just do whatever I want to do. I can live whatever I want to live my life apart from God. So Paul last week said, okay, we got, before addressing, giving the, the cure, I got to, I correctly diagnose the disease that's going on. And I believe that pagans, a paganist like lifestyle, isn't just for those who don't ever have God in their life. There are Christ, 
No, they're not Christ followers. They at one point were following Christ and have really walked away from the light and gone into really living their life without God. And they're like living a pagan lifestyle. And any, whether you're a follower of God or not a follower of God, here's where this lie will lead to. It will lead to lust or more lust, more strong desires to do whatever you want to do. And it will lead you right into the depths and ascension of depravity. Doesn't matter who you are. You walk away from the light of God, you're going to be drawn into more and more lust and walk into depravity. So that's why Paul, right out of the gate, welcome, I'm Paul, can't wait to get there, bam. He deals with the ugly truth right away. Now today in chapter two, we're going to talk about the uncomfortable truth that will apply to everyone in this room or anyone in this room, anyone watching online. It'll apply to all of us. Because in chapter two, Paul is addressing not those who are like living a paganist like lifestyle, it's the moralist. That's a, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. You know, I am not like those people. I am not like her. I'm definitely not like him because I'm a good person. And maybe you are. Golf clap for you. <laughs> but without being aware, we become moralist and we buy into a moralist lie. Here's the lie. I'm a good person. Of course I'm going to heaven. Of course I'm going to heaven. And we fall into a lie which leads to these things. Pride, kind of arrogance. Of course, I'm good. Hypocrisy and a judging spirit. And out of our mouths become judging. Now, I believe there are moralists, and I have friends, moralists who are not believers, they're not followers of Jesus, and I have friends, I have, I have neighbors, I have close acquaintances, you know, I have family members, a part of our extended family, that are really good people. And they have a good marriage because without knowing, they're applying the principles for marriage in the Bible, and it works every time it's tried. I know believers who are good but have become moralist and prideful. But the truth is, they're also hypocritical. And Christian moralists are very judgmental. And my intensity, my ire, is more for, get, for believers who are moralist than any unbelievers who are moralists. I, I, am, I don't have any angst toward unbelievers who are moralists. I have concerns. My heart, you know, prays that you'll listen all through this. But any heat today is not going to be directed to unbelievers because I'm not your judge. I'm not your judge. Now, believers, I'm not your judge too, but I am your pastor. And I have responsibilities to teach the truth with grace but if this applies to everyone today. Here's the central point that we'll teach from. Central point is this, is being good will never be good enough to enter heaven. Being good will never be good enough to get anyone, 
no matter who you are, no matter how good you are, never get you into heaven. So let's look at chapter 2, verse 1. We'll stop just at verse 1 for a moment. Paul says, after chapter 1 and all the evil and depravity, he says, now you, therefore, have no excuse. Who's the you? You who pass judgment on someone else. For, at the, at, for what, whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Do the same things. So let me, let me pull, off, pull out several parts of this passage to unpack. He says, you, who he's talking about in chapter two, you who pass judgment on someone else. A moralist are judges. They don't maybe realize it, but they're judging. And a moralist can always, always, always find comparisons where they're better than that person. A moralist can always find comparisons that I, I, I'm this, but I'm not that. I'm not those people. I'm not her. I'm not him. They don't do that at all. And unbelieving moralists are good people who believe that their good works and their goodness will obviously get them into heaven because God grades on a curve. God's gonna compare my deeds versus those people's deeds and surely I'm in. And the uncomfortable truth is any good you have is never gonna be good enough. Here's, here's why I, I say that is because God is holy and he's not judging us on human standards, but his standards. Then the next passage uh, in this same verse is very offensive to many people. He's talking about you who pass judgment and you who pass judgment, you do the same thing. And some of you might go, whoa, 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 whoa. That is not true. What, what Paul talked about in Romans chapter one, I don't do those things. That is not me. Hold it a second. But wait, there's more. Why? Because we are comparing ourselves to human beings. That's what human beings do. We all judge. We all wear judgy pants. But we compare and we judge other human beings. Because when we compare ourselves to a holy, righteous, perfect God, we fall incredibly short. So it's easy to look around. Look around kids in your school campus, they're like, I'm not like that. I don't do those things that she does. I don't do those things he does. And you compare yourself at work and compare yourself with other family that aren't followers yet. And, and you compare because we're comparing humans to humans, not a divine God. And we judge people, no matter who you are, believing and unbelieving moralists, we judge people according to our standards not a divine standard. So I'm gonna pause in verse one and uh, set up the, a couple verses afterwards because I'm gonna look at in this text here, God's word gives us his divine standards for judgment. And the first one is truth. Truth. In a culture today that is so confused of what's true or not, we don't like as a culture objective truth, God's word said the divine standard is truth. God's truth. So look at verse two through four. He says, now we know that God's judgment 
against those who do such things is based on, there it is, truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, those people, and yet do the same things, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance? Forbearance means someone who puts up with a lot. Guess what God does with us? He puts up with a lot. That's forbearance. So do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance, to lead you to, in the opposite direction you are headed. Now, let me share with some truth. These truths apply to everyone, believers or unbelievers who are moralists. Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm not like those people. Here's some truth. You are not anyone's judge, including yourself. You're, you're not anybody's judge, including yourself. And even though you don't do those things in chapter one, you could have the same heart's desires to do those things, but you haven't yet done them. You may not have killed someone, but have you wished someone dead? Don't think about anybody you work with or are related to. I haven't killed anybody, but I wouldn't mind if they died. You haven't acted and personally stolen that, but you have thought, I would really like to have that, and if I could get away with it, I'd steal it. And you don't act out your greed, but you're not content with what you have. There's a whole lot that you really want. In fact, it's a lot that you really want that you need more of. You haven't committed sexual immorality, but at times it's attractive. I won't cheat on my spouse, but I will click on that site. You see, here, here, here's, here's where it is, is that you and I are not the judge. There is a judge who not only sees every, every one of our actions, he knows the condition of our heart. And so we may say, well, I, I would never do those things, but in our heart, we have already done it. That's why Jesus wrote, wrote, rose the bar. It's like, oh yeah, you, you haven't committed adultery. If you lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery in your heart. It's like, whoa, man, then no one's righteous. Yeah, and maybe we're getting the point. But we're not the judge, but we have a judge who sees every sinful activity, but also sees every single one of our sinful hearts. And all of us, Romans 1.21 applies. It's not just for those pagans. It's their thinking have become futile, which means vanity, cocky, arrogant, which leads to our hearts becoming dark. See, our thinking is, I'm a good person. I'm not like those people, but in our hearts, we're guilty. 
just the same. Guilty just the same. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're, you're, you are a good person and you, you view life, you never, maybe never thought about the word moralist, but you look at others and you're like, but I don't do those things. I'm not that kind of a person. I'm glad. I'm, I'm sure you are a nice person. You're a great coworker. You're a great neighbor and family member. But here's the truth. You have a God who is your judge and he's the only one that sits on that throne. And he knows everything about every single one of us. Now, if you're a believer who are a moralist, there is one God and one judge and it is not you or me. So when you come to your family who does not know Christ and you have this attitude in your mind like, well, I, I, I am good because I said yes to Jesus, but the way you view your classmates, the way you view your teammates, the way you view your coworkers, the way you view your unsafe family, you view them as I'm here and you're here. Surely God loves me more than those people. God loves you, but God loves the sinners in your life just as much as he loves you and I as sinners. Who are we to sit on the throne and be judge over anybody? So, believers, get off the throne. Get off the throne. And for Pete's sake, I don't know who Pete is, but for Pete's sake, when something is posted online and you have a thought that comes in your mind like, I am going to set them straight, that thought is not from God. That's pride. And more believers are doing so much damage for the cause of Christ because they get online or they say things to people that are not following God and they're boom, 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 and you're judging people. That is not your role, it's not my role. Does that, does that mean we shy away from truth? No, but I don't throw truth at anybody unless God leads me and I do it with grace. Christians, we are not better, but we are forgiven. We are forgiven. The grace that God gave us at salvation we still don't deserve and we still can't earn. Don't hinder someone else running from the gospel because they're around us who are judgmental. What happens is the, the result is verse four. Verse four. Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, God's kindness, his putting up of a lot, of you and patient with you? Are you showing contempt for that? Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Lead you to repentance. So if you're a believer who often judges and views yourself as God loves me more than those people, don't take for granted the grace of God and the kindness of God. Never lose Never lose what grace really means. 
what salvation really means, what forgiveness really means. And God doesn't love us more. But I'm so glad for his forgiveness, amen? We're not better, but we are forgiven. And if you are a non-believer, you haven't trusted Christ yet, but you are a good person and you're like, man, I can't help but think, but I am good. I'm not like, I like those people. Let me, let me challenge you to not take for granted the good life that you have because you're doing good things and the lack of God's judgment in your life. Don't, don't add those together and go, surely then I am righteous and I do deserve heaven. The Bible says no one is righteous compared to a holy, righteous God. No one deserves salvation. And I plead with you that you would receive that gift of salvation that's accepted by grace, but it's a gift of, um, by grace we're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. So the first standard of judgment is truth. Second one is impartiality, impartiality. Now, this next passage I'm going to read, it can be a little confusing without some help. It can lead you down the wrong path theologically. So I'll, I'll try to explain it to you. Verse 5, he says, But because of your stubbornness and, and your unrepentant heart, you are, this is the truth, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when, it's, when his righteous judgment will be, will be revealed. God, quote, will repay each person according to what they have done. I'll explain that. To those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are seeking, uh, self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does evil. Good, first of the Jew, then to the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. Now, let me be clear. That could on the surface appear that eternal life is presented to those people who do good things. That's not what it's saying. Really, this whole little passage, little passage I just read, summarizes God is going to judge everyone one day. Every single one. Every one of us will be held in, into account for what we have done in this life. The most important life-altering, eternity-altering thing is what have you done with Jesus? Have you trusted him as your savior or have you rejected him as your savior? That is, the, that is kind of like the, the, the ultimate dividing line. But God is gonna judge every single person. Now, Here's three judgments. I don't have this for your notes, but here's three judgments that are yet to come. The first judgment is what Matthew 24 says is the separation of the sheep and the goats. I grew up in San Jose, California. I didn't grow up on a farm. I, I, sometimes I can't tell the two. I, all I did was eat, you know, lamb when I was young, okay? So, but basically is separation of believers and non-believers, that, that is a judgment still to come. That's one of them. The second judgment is for the believers. That is called the Bema Seat Judgment. For every believer, every believer, we will give an account to what we have done post-salvation. This is not to get into heaven. This is to receive rewards and blessings when we enter heaven. And, this, and everything we've done for Christ 
will be tested by fire. And if we had good intentions in our heart, like we are serving God with the right heart, the right motive, we're, we're, we're doing this, we're sharing, and everything is the heart is right. We're just trying to love and worship and serve God. All of those deeds will go through the fire and come out on the other side as gold, silver, and precious stones. But anything that we have done is really for ourselves or to look good. All that gets through the fire and it'll burn up like wood, hay, or stubble. And it mentions in Romans chapter 14 about this judgment seat that there will be believers there with tears. Not because they don't get to heaven. Heaven's already taken care of. I think they're, before Jesus wipes every tear, I think they're tears of regret. Like, I, I didn't do jack for Jesus. I that wasn't in my notes, but that kind of rhymes. All right, I didn't do anything. I just took, I just consumed, I just kind of checked the boxes, but I didn't really do much. That, that's, gonna be, that's gonna be a challenging day. But that's just for believers who are going into heaven. That's the second judgment. The final judgment is the great white throne judgment where the unbelievers will give an account for everything they, they did in life. And the bottom line is, did you accept Christ or not? And the answer is no. They will be separated into eternal darkness away from God and everything about God. God is light, God is truth, God is love, God is joy, God is all, all, everything about God. They'll be separated forever for those are three judgments, three judgments. Now here's very important verse 11. For God does not show favoritism to any human being, any human being. Now I grew up in a large family. There's seven of us siblings, Bobby, Bonnie, Barry, Betty, Becky, Bobby, Brindy, and Bradley, okay? Um, and we're always competing of who, who, like who mom and dad like more. I mean, it was a joke. But uh, my brother, Bobby, often listens to these messages, but I don't think, Bobby, you're serious. I think you need to repent of your pride that mom and dad loved you more, okay? How many of you are babies of your family, sibling-wise, babies? Okay. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you were spoiled, but most babies are. And you think, I deserve to be spoiled because I'm awesome. How many of you are firstborns? I mean, only child. I'm sorry, only child, only child. Okay, all right. Now, there's two options for you. When you came into the world, your parents went, oh, perfection. Why try again? If we try again, it's, it's gonna be a downgrade. That's one option. The other option is they look at you and went, we ain't doing that again. Okay, so don't, don't, get, don't get cocky. There's no favoritism with God. God didn't say, I'm gonna have all the really good people here and the good people here and then there's the bad people and then there's the really bad people and I'm gonna grade on the curve. No, we're all sinners in need of a savior. It doesn't matter how good we are, any good is not good enough but God won't keep you out of heaven because you've done a lot of bad things. And like, oh man, your, your ledger is like long. For by grace, you are saved by faith. It is a gift that you can't earn and we don't deserve. I personally believe, I was talking with someone afterwards about these judgments. I believe that every single human being in heaven will never get over 
I, don't, I didn't earn it. I don't deserve all of this. And I also believe that everyone separated from God for never and ever, when everything is exposed, comparing themselves with a holy, righteous God, God, I don't believe one person will enter heaven shaking their fists going, I don't deserve being here. Because the, 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 the standard is a holy God. God does not show any favoritism. Verse 16, it says this in this section. Verse 16 is, oh, I'm, you're, you're right. The third, the third standard is Jesus Christ. The third standard, I'm, I'm so excited to teach next week. I'm, I'm ahead of myself today. So don't miss next week. It's Jesus Christ. He's the standard. Your name is not here. My name's not here. Verse 16. This will take place, meaning these judgments will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets. See, God knows everything through Jesus Christ, as the gospel says. Separating the sheeps and the goats, believers and unbelievers. Jesus is one that separates because he knows. In that passage in Matthew, I believe it's the saddest, most soberest Sobering verse in all of scripture because there'll be unbelievers saying to Jesus, whoa, 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 what is that? Lord, Lord, I did all these things. The sobering sad part is it's Jesus who tells them, depart from me. I never knew you. We never had a relationship, savior and sinner relationship. That's Jesus. The Bema Sea is also the Bema Sea of Christ. Jesus is the one that will see all that we have done for him post-salvation. And he will be there in our presence to see what comes out through the fire. I want him to be proud. I want him to say, well done, Barry. Well done, good and faithful servant. But it's Jesus who's the judge. And at the great white throne judgment, it is none other than Jesus Christ who's at that judgment. So Romans chapter one, it's ugly truth, pagan, sin, depravity. But Romans chapter two is important. It's the uncomfortable truth of moralist pride and arrogance, thinking somehow we're gonna get into heaven on our own or God loves me more because I'm his son or daughter than those sinners. Oh no. He loves them too. And next week, next week is incredibly great news. Incredibly great news. Would you pray with me? If you're here today and you're on this faith journey and you have yet to say yes to Jesus for all that he did for you, I I don't want to say, well, come back next week and I'll tell you the you know, the good news, uh, that, that's, that, uh, that's horrible for me to do that. So I want to at least give you an opportunity for you to receive the free gift of salvation because Jesus knows everything you've done. And he says, my child, I, it's not good enough, but that's why I went to the cross. That's why I died for your sins and rose again, proving I'm God. Here is my salvation by faith, take it. And if that is your heart's desire, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how good you are, if you need to receive that gift from your heart to, 
to God, say this, God, I, I am a sinner, you know this. And nothing I could ever do is good enough to receive your salvation and forgiveness. So by faith, I trust in Jesus who died on the cross for my sins and rose again, proving he was God. Today, Jesus, be my savior. If you are a believer in this room and God spoke loud and clear to your life that when you're at school, when you're at work, around your family, whatever, you are sitting on the throne and you're acting like judge, I pray that you would get off that throne because it's only reserved for God and not us. Please treat people different. Don't take grace for granted. Lord, thank you for Romans. Thank you for the richness of it. We pray that you would draw people to Jesus, draw people back to Jesus. Help us to draw closer to him as well. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. We say, amen.